this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask that for Jesus' sake, again, that you will enable us to receive your word with soft hearts, enlightened by your spirit, and that what may be presented may be presented in faithfulness and clarity, and that we might receive it, Lord, in such a manner that we can understand it and use it to your praise in faith and hope and love. We'd ask, Father, for a blessing on your gospel tonight. We ask that you hear us in Christ's name. Amen. My friends, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Genesis again tonight and another episode involving Abraham. And we're at Genesis 23 this evening. Last week, having looked at the time that Jesus or Abraham was tested, I should say, uh, bringing Isaac to sacrifice, but then the Lord provides a substitute. And as it were, Abraham receives his son back from the dead, as Hebrews calls it. We look at uh, this chapter now, the 23rd chapter of Genesis. We'll read the entire chapter. We consider a foretaste of the inheritance that Abraham was to receive. Genesis 23, starting with verse 1. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The Hittites answered Abraham, Hear us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. And he said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, it's at the end of his field, for the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as property for a burying place. Now Ephraim was sitting among the Hittites, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the Hittites, of all who went in at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field, and I give you the cave. That is in it. In the sight of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land, and he said to Ephraim, or Ephron, in the hearing of the people of the land, But if you will hear me, I give the price of the field. Accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. Ephron answered Abraham, My Lord, listen to me piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver that he had named in the hearing of the Hittites, 
400 shekels of silver according to the weight current among the merchants. So the field of Ephraim in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, the field with the cave that was in it and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area were, was made over to Abraham as a possession. In the presence of the Hittites, before all who went in at the gate of his city, after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. So we thank the Lord again for the reading of his word. May it be a blessing to us this evening. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, what a difference the two chapters can make. You know, in, in the past chapter, Abraham gains his son back, as Hebrews would even remind us and bring clarity to us, uh, his, gains his son back from the dead in essence, a resurrection of sorts. Abraham believed that God could raise uh, Isaac from the dead if need be, so that his promises would be kept. But in this chapter, we read of death. We read of the passing of Abraham's wife, Sarah, from the scene. And yet, even as that previous chapter is not without hope, not at all, uh, the same can be said about this one. Even though, as you're reading through this passage, death is so prevalent as one has died, one is buried, and there's all this chat about trying to get burial space. In fact, while Abraham, as he mentions here, is a stranger and an alien in Canaan, and while the circumstances surrounding this chapter are that of death, Abraham receives, nonetheless, a foretaste, a, a small portion of the inheritance that belongs to him, that God has promised. A foretaste of the, the inheritance that belongs to him and actually everyone who shares faith with him in Jesus Christ. And so while in this passage tears are flowing, we hear that, don't we? There's mourning, there's, there's weeping. They are not tears that are like the world that have no hope. And how true that is for us as well when our faith is in Jesus Christ, in life and in death. Life really is different. And death is too, when we're in Christ. And we look at that tonight, we're reminded of that again tonight, as, as we look at this foretaste of the inheritance that is received by Abraham. And it, of course, is happening in the midst of death. And it is happening... Uh, to one who is self-described, and he certainly is that, and anyone who's uh, a, a child of Abraham that way in faith is that way as well, he's an alien. So we're looking at the foretaste of the inheritance that's received by Abraham in the midst of death and as an alien. So first of all, we see that, and that's the thing that's very easy to see, I think, if you look at the passage, that Abraham receives this foretaste of the inheritance in the midst of death. 
That's how the, the passage starts. We hear that Sarah was 127 years old when she died. And remarkably, she's the only woman in the Bible whose years are posted. Her years with Abraham have been many. And without surprise, Abram's bond with her in faith is expressed with emotion. And it shouldn't surprise us that when our bond and faith has been severed by death, that tears would flow. Passage reminds us of that. What would surprise us is when such severances would not cause us to weep or, or cause a, a sense of sadness that way. Jesus himself, after all, weeps at the gravesite. We know that of, of one of, of, of those with whom he was closely tied. But at the very same time, we're not left with weeping and wailing, are we? That's not the end of the, the chapter. Because when we boil down this passage, and that's especially what we need to do when we're, we're looking at passages in the Old Testament, we have to try to do our very best when we're looking at passages in the Old Testament to get down to the basics of what's being told and what is happening and what God is doing. And what we find here is that there, we find that there's still hope here in the midst of death. There's still hope here. Because what ends up happening is that when Sarah dies, Abraham goes out and he buys a piece of the promised land of the inheritance that was promised to him. Now, there's definitely something different about Sarah's death than there is about the deaths of unbelievers. I mean, the Hittites are saying, well, you know, you can, you can, bury, your, you can bury Sarah by us. We're all the same. But there's something different about Sarah's death. There's something different about the deaths of unbelievers. Perhaps that's one of the reasons we glean from the fact that Sarah's age is mentioned, to, to, to alert us that there's something different going on here. Abraham definitely sees something different about her death. He sees something different about himself, and, and we'll talk about that more in a moment when we talk about his alienship, but but she is not to be buried in a land that belongs to the faithless. She is buried in a land that belongs to the faithful. When Abraham buys this piece of land, he doesn't do it at just any old time. He does it at a time when his wife dies. And in buying a piece of the land, then, and burying Sarah in that land, what Abraham is doing is he is expressing his hope in the God who has promised him the land and his descendants. It's a foretaste of the inheritance. 
the fullness of it. It's interesting that while Abraham believed in resurrection in Genesis 22, he's also showing his belief in the resurrection here in Genesis 23. It's shadowy, we get that, but he's showing it here too. Because what he's doing is buying the land. What he's doing in buying the land is he's proclaiming his hope in the God of the promise. He's proclaiming his hope in God, in the midst of death. Because that's what he's doing. He's doing this in the midst of death. He's getting a foretaste of the inheritance that awaits him. In the midst of death, he's doing this. Buying the land in the midst of death spoke to a greater day that was coming. It was speaking towards the future. There was a future for the people of God. And instead of giving up on God in death now and say, well, you know, Sarah didn't get it. She's dead. It's over. Abraham, no, expresses his hope in God in death by buying a portion of the land that God has promised to give in his time. It's a foretaste of the inheritance that awaits. And it ends up, after all, as we would carry on in reading in Genesis, and, and of course that's always a, a good thing for us to do, right? When we're reading a passage, people say, right, that if you want to understand your passage, keep reading. Keep reading beyond. Well, if you read beyond, you'd find out, as you know, that Isaac would get buried here. And Jacob would get buried here. And Joseph gets buried in Canaan as a sign that even in the midst of death, God is going to be true to His promises. In fact, one can even go farther to say that there's hope in death. Because swing these ideas into our day and age. Is there hope in the midst of death today? And of course, we can answer that in different ways. But even though they are different ways, the answer for Christians and for believers is yes. Is there something different about the death of Christians? There definitely is something different about death for Christians, just as there's something different about life for Christians. As again, we're going to see with Abraham's talking about being an alien, a stranger. Because one thing, for one thing, there's hope in the midst of death in our day and age. And, and, and there's hope in the midst of death because of the one who died in the line of Sarah and Abraham, Jesus Christ. That's why there's hope in the midst of death. There's hope for people not only in the midst of death, but because of Christ's death. Because there's a means of escape for us from the judgment of God then. Is there hope in the midst of death for those whose faith in Christ makes them children of Abraham? Absolutely. There is hope, as was the case in the days of Sarah, there's hope for a greater day. 
even as Abraham and his descendants look forward to a greater day in that foretaste of the inheritance. There's hope. Because the God whom we serve is the same God promised that Abraham served. There's hope for the future in the midst of death. Not a wish, not a whim. It's resting on the promises of God. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, and Sarah, and Jacob is the God who's the God of the living. He's the God of the resurrection through Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. He's the God of the resurrection in whom Abraham believed when he sent his son to the altar in Genesis 22. It's that same God. And so is there mourning in the midst of death for believers? It certainly is. We see it here. Don't be surprised. We're not surprised by that. Of course we're not. But is there also hope for believers in the midst of death? Real hope? Certainty? So much so that while we grieve, we don't grieve like the rest of the world. Christians don't grieve like that. Because death is different for Christians. Christians are not left in the same boat as the Hittites. Death is different for Christians. Because when our faith is in the God of Abraham, the God of the living, there's hope in the midst of death. Because Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who sleep, has given that hope to us. That's the gospel. Death is different for believers. It's not the same as with unbelievers. It's not surprising that unbelievers don't have hope. But believers do. There's something different that way. And it's the gospel that makes that difference. And we see it in this passage in, in Genesis 23, and we also see it in, in our day and age as Christians and, and as those who are known as children of Abraham. And so there's something different about death for Christians, but there's something different about life too for Christians. Abraham foretastes the, the inheritance promised in the midst of death but he also does it as an alien, as somebody who's, who's living. Our passage says that, right? That he, he makes the point to these people uh, as we look at that uh, early on in the passage where he says, I'm a sojourner and foreigner among you. There's something different about death for believers, but there's something different about life for believers, isn't there? How we think, how we view ourselves how we operate, what we believe, how we respond to the, the, the challenges of life, the responsibilities that are given to us. There's something different about us. There's something different in death. There's something different in life. Now, up until this time, even though Abraham has, has been blessed in various ways, he didn't own a single piece of land. 
He's an alien and a sojourner. Not a square inch. He's a nomad. He admits that he's an alien and stranger in Canaan. He, he lives in a land that doesn't belong to him. He lives among people of, of whose country he's not a citizen. Now earlier, Abraham wouldn't receive riches from the king of Sodom because that was an indicator that God's covenant blessing is of God, not of man. And you have something similar happening here. The the inheritance which Abraham received and would receive would not be called into question. It would be his, this foretaste. There would not be any doubt as to whom this, to whom this land would belong because there was witnesses all around. And it wasn't going to belong to those outside of the promise. It was going to belong solely to, to those who received the promise in faith. And that'd be part of the hope that Abraham would receive as an alien and a stranger in the earth. And it wouldn't be all the inheritance. It wasn't. Because we see, don't we, that it's just a small piece that he receives. It's just this, this back end, this end piece from Ephron to bury Sarah. He ends up getting more, but it's, it's still but a token. It's a, it's a down payment, if you will, of the greater inheritance that was coming. It's just a small portion. But it's part of it. And as an alien in the promised land, it, it, it might have been small in comparison to what was promised, but it was still precious. It was 10 pounds of silver. It was 400 shekels of silver. It was a guarantee of sorts, of, of things to come. Abram had been promised possession. Now he receives a measure of it. And you consider what God has promised His Son Jesus Christ in Psalm 2. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. What, what a contrast to Abraham. He, he has just a small portion of the inheritance. He, he doesn't have the ends of the earth. He's got a small portion of the earth as his, as his possession. In contrast, Jesus. I'll make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. Abraham might, might have been a mighty prince. Call him a prince of God. The son that was to come was to come and rule the world. And he'd rule it with an iron scepter. He would destroy his enemies and he would be a refuge to anybody who would find their refuge in him. Abraham and all those in him by faith are co-heirs with the great heir that Jesus Christ is. It's true that the land of Canaan was given to Abraham's descendants by faith some 430 years later. But even that land was a token 
in comparison to great things in store for God's people. We hear in the Scriptures, after all, that all things are ours in Christ. You know, today, Christians are still aliens and strangers, aren't, aren't we? When we're in Christ, when we're believers. There's something different about us in death, and there is something different about us when we're Christians in life. And we're people called to be different from the world in every aspect of life. Our attitudes, our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength, the approach that we take to things, the understanding of why we are here on this earth and what's lying ahead for us and how to look at the world in accordance with the Word. We're going to look at it differently. As Christians, we're called to be in the world. We're not to be you know, monks that way, or not to be taking a monastic kind of view of the world, or to be engaged. Called to be in the world, but not of it. That balance we're supposed to keep. And the reason why we're supposed to keep that balance is because we know that there are greater things in store for the people of God. As Christian aliens, we're we're called to realize that we're on the way to the promised land. Not that we've received it in full here on earth, or that that's all there is, is what we have here on earth. Because like the apostles say, if our hope is, is in Christ is only in this life, we are to be pitied more than all men. No, no, we're, we're, like, we're like Abraham that way. We're, we're waiting for the full inheritance that belongs to Christ. That's in store for the people of God in Christ. We too, when we're in Christ, we're heirs. Now we may be strangers to the world, but we're heirs of God. And we're co-heirs of Christ. And that's our hope too. And so like Abraham of old, when we're believers in Christ and and children of Abraham that way, then we too have received a token of the inheritance that awaits. Now, we don't have Canaan, but we're new creatures in Christ, aren't we? We're a new creation. The Apostle Paul would call it in Ephesians 1, that down payment. And that down payment is the Holy Spirit whereby we become new creatures in Christ so that we are going to be aliens and strangers in the world. But we're no longer dead in our sin, but we're alive in Christ. And as we live out that, that life of alienship and sojourning, we're awaiting the fullness of that inheritance that belongs to Christ. The fullness of that new creation when Christ returns. And in the meantime, we live with a foretaste of the inheritance in our heart. And we're called to live that out every single day of our lives, aren't we, in Christ. And we're to live that out before the world as only aliens and strangers in Christ can do. Only as those who have hope in the midst of death can do. 
only of those who, like Abraham, are heirs of God and are co-heirs with Christ through faith in Him. We, we live differently when it comes to death. We live differently when it comes to life as Christian people. And that's why we, we want to be Christian people. That's why we should want to be Christians, be followers of Christ, be trust, those who trust in Him. Because they're the ones who've got reason for living and hope when they're dying and hope in the midst of death. Now that, that, that doesn't gloss over that death brings tears. But for those who are in Christ, both Old and New Testament believers, there is hope in the midst of death. Praise God for that. And that's because we come to know forgiveness and everlasting life through Christ. And that's one of the things that makes death different then for the believer in Christ. It's also one of the reasons to live differently than the world and to live for Christ. Like an alien in the world. Different because we're not children of wrath anymore. We're children of God. And we have a taste of His inheritance. We've got new life through His Holy Spirit. Well, may the, may the foretaste of God's inheritance in Christ make all the difference for you. Make it, make it, may it make all the difference for me. In the hope that we have in the midst of death and in the lives that we're called to live for our Savior Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, according to the Gospel, we definitely can look at death differently than the world. We can look at life differently from the world as well in a blessed way through Jesus Christ. When we've known the foretaste of the inheritance that awaits the people of God. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this portion of Your Word that we could read foretaste of the inheritance that awaited in the midst of death and before an alien in the land. And it reminds us, and we're grateful that it does, what a difference it makes the way we look at death and the way we look at life when we have the hope, that foretaste of the inheritance that awaits the people of God. Abraham had it way back when. And we have it too in this day when we're in Christ. Thank you, Father, for that gospel that makes such a difference in the way we live and even in the way we die and look at death itself. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your fatherly care that gives us hope in the midst of death and in life. We'd ask that you'd hear us.